Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, uh, so are you, you, have you called this Academy August? Is that your, no, I kind of, uh, that's what I got told in the car. Blame Jake. Uh, <laughs> but I, we're, we're doing a, a movie theme. And I thought, you yeah, really, to kick it off, you guys need something upbeat and really big and explosions and car chases and crazy high-octane stuff. So the movie I've chosen for tonight is called The Lady in the Van. Has anybody seen it? Virtually nobody. Awesome. Two, I saw oh, a couple. My parents have seen it. Yes, welcome, Neil and Shirley. Give it up for Neil and Shirley. Come on. It's probably aimed at that kind of age uh, group, but I'm not selling it really, am I? Uh, but there's some great themes in this movie. And, uh, and I'm really believing tonight, you know, Penny said she's believing tonight that people are going to be set free. I believe that, that through uh, the message, the themes of this movie, people are going to be set free. I'm just believing that tonight that, that things are going to shift, things are going to change. Just before I launch in, a bit about me. So, yeah, I'm Dave. I'm married to Maya. We have four gorgeous daughters between the age of 10 and about 10 months. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking potential suitors. Uh, so if you have boys in those age ranges, just come and chat to me afterwards. Um, we can come to an arrangement. Uh, yeah, that'll be good. But uh, they're amazing. And uh, I'm very blessed being in Timaru coming up seven years. And uh, it's fantastic. It's a cool city. Uh, anyone from Timaru? Any Timaruvians in the house? None. None of you. Oh, you need to come and check it out. It's awesome. I'm going to steal all your people. Hey, um, why don't we why don't we dive into this story? So, um, for, let's just dive straight in with the first clip. That'd be awesome. Good street. Only up and up. Big motor, have you? Loads of room. Just be a few minutes. St. John, are you? St. John who? St. John, the disciple in Jesus' love. No, the name's Bennett. Oh, well, if you're not St. John, I need a push for the van. It's conked out. The battery, possibly. I put some water in. It hasn't done the trick. Well, was it distilled water? It was holy water, so it doesn't matter if it's distilled or not, because the oil is another possibility. That's not holy too. Holy oil? Well, in a van, it would be far too expensive. Now, I want, I want pushing round the corner. So. Are you wanting to go far? Possibly. I'm in two minds.
And currently, it is this genteel fragrance that dominates the second subject, as it were, in her odoriferous concerto. But as she goes, the original theme returns, her own primary odor now triumphantly restated and left hanging in the house long after she has departed. Tell her. Miss Shepherd, in future I would prefer if you didn't use my lavatory. There are lavatories at the bottom of the high street. Use those. They smell. I'm by nature a very clean person. I have a testimonial for a clean room. Awarded me some years ago. And you know my aunt, herself spotless, said I was the cleanest of all my mother's children, particularly in the unseen places. Okay, so we've set the scene. We've got uh, Alan Bennett, who's... This, so this is based on a true story, by the way. Based on a true story. Uh, we've got Alan Bennett, who's actually a, quite a famous playwright in the UK. Uh, and he lives in a fairly well-to-do part of London. And one day this lady rocks up, uh, Miss Shepherd, uh, set in the 70s. And he decides, just on the spur of the moment, to help her out. She asks him, so he helps push her van down the road. And then uh, he shows even more compassion on her, and he actually invites her to park her van in his driveway uh, because yellow lines were coming into the community and they couldn't, she couldn't stay on the street. And I imagine that when she thought about this, he thought about this, he was thinking, well, you know, a couple of months, and then, you know, she can, she can move on. Fifteen years later, <laughs> she's still there. And tonight, I, I want to, I I've really only got two kind of themes, two uh, ideas. And the first one is that compassion is complicated. Uh, we're, we need to, we, we know as Christians that we are called to be compassionate. We know that Jesus was incredibly compassionate. He showed love everywhere he went. He is our example. And, and if you're a Christian here today, you know that, you know, you're, you're called to be compassionate to the world around you. The, the, the trouble is, though, that it's people we're dealing with, and people are complicated, and the people that we deal with aren't always that nice to deal with. They aren't always that fun. They aren't, we don't necessarily even like them all that much. And, and in fact, 
this, this fellow, Alan Bennett, he, he's quite up front. Uh, he's not a Christian, and he, and he says, you know, I'm no saint. And actually, there's a great quote from the movie that he, he's very upfront about he, that she is far from saintly, and she's quite hard to love. In fact, he says this, Mary, as you call her, is a bigoted, blinkered, cantankerous, devious, unforgiving, self-serving, rank, rude, car-mad cow. That's a nice thing to say. You get the impression that actually he didn't really like Miss Shepherd very much. And the thing is, we're not actually called to like the people we're called to love. We're called to love them. Hopefully, at some point along the line, some love comes in. But actually, real compassion is displayed by our actions, not our feelings. If we're waiting for love, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling to come along, we'll be waiting a long time. See, to show compassion is, is, is complex, it's complicated, it's hard. But actually, real compassion is, you know, we often think of it in, you know, sweeping terms of, of Jesus healing the multitudes and, 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 and amazing acts of kindness. And that's true. But often, it's actually just found in the mundane, in the everyday, in the, the boring, the, the average, the, the mediocre. It's actually, it's hard work. It's putting up with the, for, for, for Alan Bennett, it was putting up with the smell and the, the dirtiness, literally the feces that she would leave in the driveway that he would have to walk around or sometimes through. You see, showing real compassion is actually about dealing with people's situations. And you need to, you need to learn that actually it's hard sometimes. But it is what we are called as Christians to do. I, lo- I love... The, the book of James says this, pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles. Basically, caring for those who can't care for themselves is an amazing passage in Isaiah. Uh, it, it's a long one, but it's worth reading. It says, Isaiah 58, chapter 6, is, is not this the kind of fasting I have chose? Chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise into darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring that never fails. See, we often pray prayers to God. Oh God, come on. Bless me, help me do this in my life. We want the light of heaven to shine on us. But actually, God is saying, no, you, you help the poor. You, you release those who are under the yoke of oppression. You help those who can't help themselves. And, and then I will shine my light on your situation. And then 
you will be blessed and you'll be strengthened. Often we get it the wrong way around. But actually, you know, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. For Alan Bennett, I don't know how that felt for 15 years doing that. I had a very minor version of that when we lived in Dunedin. Um, we, Mayor and I had um, a couple of kids at that stage. We had a house. We had to sleep out. And, and there was a guy um, in our church who was uh, recently divorced. He'd fallen on hard times, um, and he needed a place to stay. And we're like, yeah, sure, you can come and, you know, we thought crash for a couple of weeks. Turns out he was there for a year. Uh, and was it awkward sometimes? Yes. Did we always, did we clash sometimes? Yes. But we just, we had a, had a sense, you know, this is the right, and this is the right thing to do. This is helping him. This is serving him. This is loving him. At the same time, we had someone else come and live as well. So things got crowded. But I just know that it was the, it was the right thing to do. It was the compassionate thing to do. Because, because, you know, showing hospitality is actually a great way of being compassionate. We often think, oh, my home is my home. Actually, your home is not your home. Your home is in heaven. The place that you live in at the moment, that's not yours at all. And, and I'll tell you what, God has blessed us with homes because we've been able to open ours out uh, and, and open it up to people. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's a powerful way of showing God's love. At the heart of compassion, though, is actually realizing that the people we deal with are facing their own struggles, their own battles. And in fact, they're facing a battle that you probably know nothing about. And I think, you know, you will have heard that, that phrase, walk a mile in someone, else, someone else's shoes. Um, you know, you've heard that? Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Walk a mile in someone else's shoes because then you're a mile away and you've got their shoes. Uh, but also, <laughs> if you're a different size foot, then that's, you know, an issue you can deal with. But also what, what that means is, is just realizing that the person that cuts you off in traffic, the person that you find really annoying, at work, the person that is just really getting to you in your, in your workplace or in your community or your neighbor, they are acting out of their own hurt. They are acting out of their own issues, their own brokenness. And if we would just realize, just actually stop and think, well, what's it like for them? What, what, what's going on in their world that they're reacting like this? That they're, because, and we'll find out very soon a little bit more about. Uh, Miss Shepherd's background. But you see, we, we just need to stop sometimes and think, man, what, what is it that they are facing? And how can I lift them? How can I just do something that's going to make their journey a little easier? And if you think, oh, you know, nobody appreciates me, because that's often the thing, you know, you show compassion and you show compassion and you show compassion and you don't feel like the love that you're showing is, is appreciated. I just want to remind you of a story about a guy called Jesus. 
and he heals 10 lepers. Anybody know this story? And uh, so, you know, leprosy back in the day, it was, it was huge. It was a life sentence. They were, you couldn't touch your family. You couldn't hold down a job. You were just on the outside of the city begging. And that was your life. And there were 10 of them this day. Jesus was heading into Jerusalem. And they say, Son of David, do something for us. Help us if you can. And, and he says, yeah, go see the priests. And on the way to the priest, they were healed. Miraculously, something happens. And that their lives are literally turned around. They are, they are new people. They can re-enter society. They have a new lease on life. And you, you know, if those of you know this story, how many of them came back to Jesus and said, thank you? One. So if you're getting more than one out of 10 people who you help saying thank you, that you're doing better than Jesus, okay? So don't get all like, oh, nobody appreciates me. No, it's so hard because I'm showing all this love. And no, Jesus got one out of 10, okay? We'd be happy with one out of two, wouldn't we? We'd probably be, or we might even be grumbling if, you know, half the people didn't appreciate you. Not for Jesus. So let's, let's go on in the movie. Let's show clip number two. Put the phone in your trousers. That never occurred to me. I didn't know. I didn't know. It might, it might not be convenient. No, I've thought it over. Believe me, Miss Shepherd, it, it's all right. Just till you sort yourself out. Well, not convenient for you. Convenient for me. You're not doing me a favour, you know. I have got other fish to fry. A man on the pavement told me if I went south of the river, I'd be welcomed with open arms. I was about to do her a good turn, but as ever, it was not without thoughts of strangulation. She would come into the garden, yes, but only as a favour to me. Whereupon she applies the handbrake with such determination that, like Excalibur, it can never afterwards be released. Now she is on the premises. I sometimes get a glimpse of Miss Shepherd praying, and it is seldom a tranquil or a meditative process. I hunger and thirst for the full. The fervour of her intercessions rocking her to and fro. What is it she's wanting forgiveness for? I used to pray myself when I was young, but never like this. I'd never done anything. But what has she done?
in question did confess, though in guarded terms, in Rome, in early year, though I am not sure the priest understood English. Do I look like a joyrider? My child, you have already been given absolution for this particular sin. I have given you it myself on several occasions. Have faith. Absolution is not like a bus pass. It does not run out. It's a great line. Absolution is not like a bus pass. It does not run out. My second point is around forgiveness, and this is really a major theme in this movie. And essentially, forgiveness is fundamental to our faith. I'm a, I'm a fundamentalist Christian, if that is the fundamental of our faith, because it is central to, to who God is. Absolution is not really a word we use much, um, but it basically means forgiveness. So forgiveness is not like a bus pass. It doesn't run out. Miss Shepherd kept going back, kept coming back to, to the priest or to, to others to confess her sins. And there's a disconnect there. Like there's a, there's a picture of, of, a, of Christianity but without the power of God in it. Because my Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 to 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. See, there's, there's kind of two traps that we can slip into as Christians. Either we, we downplay our sin and we think, oh, actually, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as that person. Or maybe we've been a Christian for a while and we think, oh, you know, I've got it together now. I'm, I'm not so reliant on the grace of God. I don't need him helping me out that much. I'm kind of standing on my own two feet now. No. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And as soon as you start standing there and going, oh, no, I'm pretty good, God. Who wants to be opposed by God? <laughs> not me. So that's one, that's one risk is that we start to think we've got it all together. But the other risk, and, and this is what Miss Shepherd struggled with, was that she didn't believe the, the grace of God could forgive her. She couldn't get it past her mind that actually God's grace is big enough for me and, and once is enough. She felt like she had to keep on coming back because essentially she couldn't forgive herself. And what happens is that if we, if we do that and we think, oh, I've stuffed up again, but God can't forgive me because I've, I've, I've done this so many times or my sin is too big, what we do is we bring God down to our level, the level that we, we feel forgiveness should be at, the level that we can forgive at, forgetting that the level that God forget, forgives at is a whole other level. How many times should we forgive our, our neighbor? One of the disciples asked Jesus, seven times? No, 70 times seven. It's, it's infinite. That's how many times we should forgive one another. God forgives us to that infinite level. And it's once and for all. We need to, to learn that and to own that in our own lives. Otherwise, 
our faith has no power because we can't take God at his word. Stop believing the lie that, oh, actually, my sin's too big. Or, or I've done this so many times that I can't, I can't be forgiven this time. That's not how God works. Let's see the next clip, and you get an action-packed car chase. Van chase. Lady, are you there? Is this a bad moment? Have you got something for me? Ow! Can I help you? Good evening to you, sir. I'm finding myself in the vicinity. I'm taking the opportunity to pay my compliments to Margaret. Margaret? An old friend from way back. You mean Miss Shepherd? Shepherd, is it? Very good. Well, she'll be asleep. Of course. I'll bid you good night, sir. I'll call again when my schedule permits. Thank you. So we begin to, to learn a bit more about Miss Shepherd and why she ends up in the van. So what has happened is that, and it's not her fault, but this is what, what uh, shame and guilt and condemnation do, is that uh, she was parked at an intersection and a motorcyclist loses control, crashes into her van and uh, she panics and she flees the scene. And so that gentleman who's knocking on her, on her van is the same police officer who first chased her. And as a powerful image here, you see, because when we don't allow forgiveness in our lives, what happens is that guilt comes in. And guilt has its ugly friends, shame and fear and condemnation 
And all those things start to take a hold and, and they drive Miss Shepherd into this, this state that she's in. She's, she's constantly living in fear. And uh, ultimately, you know, she, it weighs her down so much that it drives her to, 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 to be bribed by this guy for years and years and years. Probably there's people in the room today who, you know, you're probably not living in a van, but there's issues in your life that you feel guilty about, you feel shame about, you feel condemnation about, and there's a weight that comes on you. I'm so excited today to tell you, and you, you probably know this here, but I, I want us to catch it here, is that, and it's one of my favorite verses in Romans 8, says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we need to own that. Too often I see Christians and they're living in a, in a space that they're like, oh, well, I can't have the fun that my non-Christian friends are having, but I can't really be living in freedom because I'm feeling so guilty stuck in the middle. No, no, you need to know tonight that there is freedom. There is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. There's an amazing story. Jesus has brought a lady in it who's caught in the act of adultery by the Pharisees. And, and they come and they, they want to trap Jesus. But the, the punishment for adultery at this time is, is stoning. And, and so they're, saying, they're trying to get Jesus to to have this lady stoned, which is not a very compassionate thing to do. And he turns to them and says, okay, well, you who is without the first sin, throw, without sin, throw the first stone. And one by one, they all disappear. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, you're, you're free. Sin no more. That's the heart of Jesus to us. He doesn't condemn us. Yes, he wants us to change our ways, and go and sin no more. But every time we can come back, every time, it doesn't matter how many times you can come back and the, the open arms of God are there. The grace is there. The Holy Spirit is the same. We often think that we get confused in our heads around conviction and condemnation. See, God will never condemn you, but the Holy Spirit will convict you. In John 18, uh, 16 verse 8, uh, it says, and when he has come, that's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. It's that voice that says, no, no, don't do that. Or, oh, yeah, those words you spoke to that person, they were mean, you need to apologize. Or the Holy Spirit will just, it'll be that voice that's, that's correcting you and guiding you. But it will never add anything on that, like, ah, oh, you silly person. <laughs> you fool, you always stuff up. You're never going to amount to him. Call yourself a Christian. How long have you been a Christian? Those accusing voices are never the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's always the voice of condemnation. It's always the voice of the enemy. You see, the Holy Spirit will always lift you up. It'll always bring life. Condemnation will always drag you down. It'll always bring death. And we need to learn as Christians to discern what those voices are. And your own voice. You can agree with either. And if we've been agreeing with condemnation too long, then we'll start speaking it ourselves over ourselves. We'll agree with that rather than agreeing with what God says, that there is no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's move on to the next clip. No, Denzer. Margaret and I were just taking a stroll down memory lane. Don't, don't Margaret me. That name is buried to sin. You came before. Of course, this isn't the van, is it? She had another one. Kind of you. A homeless woman. A thankless soul. And not over-salubrious. Goodbye, Margaret. I thought you said your name was Mary. Yes, it is. So why does he call you Margaret? He's taken too much to drink on an empty stomach, possibly. It is your name, Mary Shepherd. Subject to the Roman Catholic Church in her rights to amendment. It's obviously not her name, but although years have passed since she drove her van into the garden, I'm still too polite to ask who she is, let alone what this fellow wants who materialises at regular intervals and comes braying on the side of the van. Music has something to do with it. But is it just the noise or music itself? dislike music. You used to play the piano. How do you know that? You told me. I didn't say I didn't like it. I don't want to hear it, that's all. Should she speak now? Should she explain? Well, she never lets on. Never explains. Well, maybe she should. once left alone in a room in the convent. They didn't leave novices alone normally. And there was a piano there. I tried it and it was open. It needed tuning. Some of the notes were dead. It sounded more beautiful to me than any of the pianos I'd ever played. because I didn't hear her. She said... It's God's will. That was what God wanted and that I'd been told before. Oh, don't argue. I said, couldn't I, couldn't I just play some hymns for us to sing to? And she said, 
That was arguing. And I'd never make a nun if I argued. So we start to see a bit more of how Miss Shepherd's come to be where she is. If you're confused why there's two Alan Bennett's in some of the scenes, it's the way they told the story. He was typing it up and, and conversing with himself. So there was a double there. Um, but she used to be an amazing pianist. In fact, she, she would, had played at the British proms and she, was, she was tra had trained in Paris under a great um, uh, maestro and, and she, she was really good, but something happened and she gave that away and she went to a nunnery and then she found she kind of failed at that as well and she ends up with all this hurt and regret and bitterness to the point and you've seen the van that, and there's a, it's a powerful image that you see the van and you see all these bags stacked around it and you go inside and there's all these bags in there as well. And it's a powerful picture of all the, the, the metaphorical baggage that is in her heart, that is in her life, the stuff that is built up over time that, that she can't let go. Even when she gets a new van, the bags, they stay. You know, things can change on the outside, but actually the hurt is still there. And, and the way she reacts to music, music used to be something that was her life. She loved it, but she'd been hurt in that area. And so then whenever she heard it, she just reacted. You know, that's what our issues are. We'll, we'll, will do to us. Maybe it's a, a person we've had a disagreement with and we think about them or we hear about them and we just react. Or maybe it's a, it's a situation, a place, a time, whatever it is. But there's something that stirs up in us and we realize, oh, that's an issue. That's some baggage that I've got. That's some, some regret that is there in my life. And so she's, she's dealing with this stuff and we, we realize that actually... She's not dealing with it. She's, she's barely making it through. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a very sad story in many ways. I don't know about you, but I know there's stuff that I carry. There's stuff in my life I think, man, uh, I just need to shed that baggage. Often I think it's around regret. For her, she had an amazing career kind of lined out and then... I'm sure she regretted the decision she made, that the way her, her life went. Often regret will hold us back from walking into the fullness of what God has for us. And we, we just see that so powerfully in, in this lady's story. I want, I want to show you the, the final clip. I realize I've gone over time already, apparently, but that's because of so many movie clips. So, you know, that's, uh, it's not my fault. Um, so, so we're going to show the final clip, and then we'll wrap up.
Powerful scene, beautifully acted by Maggie Smith. So she's been cleaned up, and she's been taken to an old folks' home. And uh, just in that lounge there, there's this piano in the corner, and you see her approach it. And it's such a powerful image. She's so tentative to start with, just kind of finding her way. And you see a flicker of a smile and, a, and she starts playing and, and she just grows into the piece. And by the end of it, she's doing all the trills and she's, she's back in the form that she had years and years ago. I think it's a picture of how we can come to God. Often we come with our hurt and our regret and our, and our shame and our whatever it is that we carry, our baggage. And we come kind of tentatively. And as we reach out to Him, He's so, he's so gracious, He's so kind. He, he welcomes us and, and He receives us in that space. And He deals with that stuff. That's not the final scene in the movie, but it could have been. She dies shortly after but there's a sense that there's a, there's a restoration that happens there's something that you know God wants to do tonight I believe there's, there's some of you here and you're living in a place of, of regret regret's got a hold of you. you you didn't go down the path that you thought you could have or thought you should have or maybe it's it's fear has got a hold of you and you're not living fully free because you keep circling the mountain of, of condemnation or, or guilt. Don't wait till the end of your life to come to God and receive the freedom that He has for you. Because there's an amazing passage we often, we often talk about that, uh, that scripture, Romans 8 verse 1. I want you to put up the second part of it. There it is. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There's freedom from our condemnation, from our regret, from our hurt, from our brokenness. But all we need to do is have a soft heart to Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.